everybody. Welcome to the Real DMC Podcast. DMC stands for Dave, Marcus, and Colin. We're all here today, finally. Marcus, good to see you. <laughs> good to see you. Marcus is a little late to the podcast today. Marcus is still on standard time. He's a, he's an hour late. <laughs> oh, he moved the clocks ahead. Is that what happened? Oh, rainbows. <laughs> okay, so we are here today to talk about Marcus's pick, and that film is 1994's Natural Born Killers. Are you flirting with me? Me, <laughs> me. <laughs> So quick introduction. So movie was definitely a financial success. So it ended up making what? about fifty million dollars. I don't that's think a financial it, I don't success. Think that's actually a success because I think nah. they they spent like thirty four million on making it and it only made fifty. So nobody got paid all that money. Okay, so like it was marketing department. Yeah. It wasn't a financial disaster. Quentin Tarantino did okay apparently because he took a couple points on the back end for his screenplay. Yeah, not a financial disaster, but it was a complete like on screen disaster. No, <laughs> we'll cut. Hey, we'll definitely, <laughs> we'll definitely get to that. Anyway, so it, it ended up at number 28 on the 1994 box office, just behind the Pelican Brief and in front of Angels in the Outfield. And I hope if uh, somebody was bringing their kids to see Angels in the Outfield, they did not walk into the wrong theater because definitely a tonal shift between that and Is that Board the Killers. Sean Penn, Robert De Niro movie? No, no that's War uh, No Angels. War No Angels, sorry. I don't think I saw Angels in the Outfield. I believe this is a Disney-produced movie about the California Angels baseball mm. team. And there happened to be angels who were helping them. So basically, mm. they were cheating. Just like in 2002? Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Scott Spezio. My, uh, my father-in-law, is still, he's a huge Angels fan. And he still gives me grief about 2002. We were just talking about it this, this weekend in Dusty Baker's gaff. Leave Russ in. No okay. Kidding. So the film maintains an extraordinarily generous, generous rating of 7.3 on the IMDb. Dude, I think that, ratings don't I think lie. I think they're overshooting that. And Ebert did, did give this four stars. Uh, certainly did not lift anything out of his review because he gave it four stars. And it makes me think, Raj, what the fuck were you thinking? I've got plenty. Don't worry. I think that at some point he came back and, and he did a, a re-review. You know, he, he edited his <laughs> review and he's now giving it one star. On Rotten Tomatoes, it also has an 88% audience score. So very highly regarded. And if you can tell, we are probably going to be slightly divided on our opinions about this particular film. 
So Marcus, this was your pick. So why did you pick this movie? Why did you want to watch this movie again? Seriously, why the fuck did you want to watch this movie again? Well, first up, it's a wonderful film. I do enjoy it tremendously. And I'm a big fan of Oliver Stone. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 hold on, movie. Hold on. It's a wonderful film. Like, it's a wonderful life is a wonderful film. How, you can't use <laughs> the right. word, the, the adjective wonderful to describe this. It's a wondrous journey of discovery. It's just, you know, it's you fun often wonder and merriment. <laughs> Some mirth in there. I did wonder a lot of what was going on, but continue. Exactly. It's a, okay, wrong word, interesting. I find it a very interesting film. I don't know, it's definitely not everyone's cup of tea. It's in a similar regard of over the top, like Hudson Hawk, which we talked about oftentimes, and which is also one of my favorite movies. No, what am I saying? It's not one of my favorite movies. <laughs> no, no, you just said that, that's being recorded. <laughs> also a movie I enjoyed, a interesting film. There's a lot going on, especially, I mean, Natural Born Killers is definitely a strange movie and it's quite over the top, but I enjoy it for some of those aspects. Visually, it's, I don't know if interesting is the right word, impactful. I don't know, I don't know the word. There's a lot going on visually and it's for sure, it's definitely could be a bit much. I think it's going way overboard, but. I actually enjoy it. For I was going to say, I, I was assuming you were not going to be reaching for the word subtle. You find it visually no. subtle? No, 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 no. Subtle, it is not. It is, it is, it is 100%. It, it is an assault on the senses. Yeah. It, I mean, he definitely so, amps it up, and that's part of the style that I do like about it. And so that's why I think there's a lot of it's not something you're going to watch over and over and over again because it's just, there's a lot going on in every scene, every, there's, I don't know, what is there, 20 different film stocks in. And techniques there's, and there's all 18 sorts of different yeah things. 18 different formats yeah and he's just bringing like all this stuff and i actually don't i read uh, ebert's review and i don't quite agree with him because he kind of takes it more as this like deep look at society and media and violence in this whole like kind of inspectful view of like what's going on with the media and glorifying violence and this was all going on during the oj simpson trial so there's this like kind of media fascination with this kind of topic and Ebert kind of dives deep into that. And I don't, I don't know. That's what Oliver Stone's going for. And that's not what I enjoy about the movie. I just kind of enjoy it as a kind of visual overload. The music's fantastic in it. And it's just kind of like a kind of crazy <laughs> two hour ride. <laughs> Dave's shaking his head. <laughs> well, I'll, you know, I'll give you, so I'll give you three, three thoughts on this movie. So, I understand that Stone is going for something and trying to have a maybe a deeper message. I think what he actually ended up creating is, you know, you know, there's that scene in Anchorman where they're in the office and they're complaining about the female anchor and, you know, Champ Bailey says something and Will, you know, Ron Burgundy says something. And then Steve Carell's character runs up there and he doesn't, he's, he's a complete moron. So he just yells, loud noises because he's not sure what he's supposed to be complaining about <laughs> that's what this that's what this movie feels like right and then uh, there's a i read when i was doing research so there's a guy named max o'connell who wrote an article on indiewire and he he ends it by saying yet it's still a film stone fan should seek out it's terrible but fat but a fascinating movie to be reckoned with so i think yeah. that's an interesting take on it and then i actually think that mickey himself as a character sums up this movie perfectly well because towards the end he has a quote and he's talking about, you know, what's going to happen when he's going to kill Wayne Gale. And he says, killing you is a statement. I'm not sure exactly what it's saying, but, you know, Frankenstein killed Dr. Frankenstein. And so that that's what this movie is. It's like, yeah, we're 
shit's going on and we're, we're trying to make a statement, but it's all, it, it all feels like a whole bunch of mishmash, superficial stuff, imagery, all thrown together. It's trying to be something that it doesn't, I don't think it accomplishes what it maybe sets out to do. And it feels very pretentious because of it. Well, so my take on it is I agree with everything that you say, but I felt like the point of the movie was to be a commentary on the media's glorification of violence, you know, specifically like for the sake of ratings and right. the, and, and it's just so ironic because this movie itself is glorifying violence and it's actually doing a much better job glorifying violence than the media was doing. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's what I mean. It's, it's a, it's an anti-violent message that a whole bunch of people probably watch this movie for an entirely different reason, right? They, they're like, Oh, they get their jollies off of it or the violence and all that. You know, I can look at it and say it's, it's a very interesting piece of art. I will give it that, right? I think I, as a movie, I don't think it works. And I think the motivations of the characters are, are, you know, very shallow in some cases and really stupid in others. And there's a whole bunch of really dumb things that happen in this movie. And there's even things like, you know, th there's some casual racism that's thrown in here the where Stone's trying to do something, you know, which he, which he thinks is significant. And it, it comes across like, I mean, it's like, okay, every Indian you're going to run into is you know, like, you know, as a spirit guide, I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I struggled with a lot of this movie. That, that's my take on it. I would just like to, to point out that Tarantino has disowned this film. <laughs> it's not, this is not his, it was, it's based on, he got a story credit because it was based on originally his screenplay, but they, but they just wrote, rewrote it to such a degree that it's yeah. not the same movie. I would actually really love to know what is in Tarantino's original version. I, all I know is about a married couple that decide to go on a killing spree. That's, but I'd like to, I'd like to know more. This That's is a kind of fun so I, storyline right there though. Right. The, the overall story is actually pretty interesting. I don't like the film because it is deep and meaningful and what a great insightful look that stone has against media and the commentary of violence. That's not what I like about the movie at all, and I don't. That's I good because I don't think it, I don't think it delivers that effectively. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think the movie. I think it's just kind of a fun, crazy ride, and you have like it is an assault to the senses to some degree between like the loud music, the like crazy scenes going on, all the like cuts and things like that. It brings a lot of interesting material to the screen all at once, right? And it's not, it's not your everyday common movie, right? You're not going to see too many things like this at all. For better or worse, right? Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but it's also like, so something like, I like uh, Cool World also. I haven't seen it in a long time, but like the uh, that animation mix, probably not a good movie. I haven't, that one I definitely want to rewatch just to see it. But it's again, kind of a crazy visual, like a bit bizarre, but interesting. Yeah, no, I can see why this movie would appeal to you in terms of your interest in photography visuals yeah. that sort of thing and, and i it, you know as a as a piece of art i think you can make a case that this is very interesting the way that it's put together yeah. i guess this movie has over three thousand cuts in it and typical movies are more in the six to seven hundred range so this this has you know as many as four to five times as many transitions as a typical film of this yeah. length and it does mention this earlier but you know uses 18 different formats for you know capturing video yeah, so 16 millimeter, 35 millimeter video, a whole bunch of stuff that gets mixed together. Going back to the Tarantino thing, I didn't realize this until I did research for this podcast, but apparently this and True Romance were all one script and that most of what Natural Born Killers is was originally when Tarantino was writing the script for True Romance, 
I, I forget it, it had a different name than True Romance, but this was actually Natural Born Killers was a script that Clarence Worley was writing as the, as he and Alabama were on this journey. So it was supposed to be a movie within a movie. And so then they they took the Natural Born Killers piece out and he turned it into its own screenplay. And then of course True Romance became True Romance. So Claire. I thought that was interesting. Oh, that, I had no is, idea. Yeah. That was that was the history. Yeah. I think that is that. very interesting. Um, the other one, the other thing that I think is, this, you know, obviously there was a lot of controversy around this movie when it came out. It's and if, if you look at it, it shows up on, you know, Entertainment Weekly's list of you know most controversial films and blah blah blah, all that kind of stuff. But there was an actual court case that was filed against the producers of this film because there were uh, two. I, th- I think they were teenagers. I'm not sure that they sat, they dropped acid, they watched this movie, and then they went in and they shot a clerk in Louisiana. And so there was a woman named Patsy Byers who was working as a clerk and she was shot and paralyzed. And she actually then filed a lawsuit against, I can't remember exactly who she sued in terms of it was Stone or the production company, but initially the case was, so it was upheld and then it was, you know, sent to a court up in, was it the court of appeal in Louisiana? And the court stayed, or the case stayed active all the way until June of 2002. So up until that point is when it was finally closed and they were not held liable. But up until that point, a lot of Hollywood was watching to see what would happen in terms of the results of the case because it could have been wide-ranging implications. So I thought that all that was actually pretty interesting when I was reading about it. I don't know. It all that stuff just seems a little bit like someone's brought up that the Columbine killers like love this movie. But if you look like he, you can look at like a thousand movies that like there's death and murder in so much of Hollywood movies. Like look at all the horror movies. There's not like, yeah, I'm not, I mean, I, I don't buy yeah. into the idea that this movie is any worse or is more triggering than any other movie out there. That's I'm yeah. not, I don't take that angle at all. I, I just think it was interesting because you, know, you think about the, the times where there've been a couple, you know, a couple situations. So this one, and of course the twilight zone, which is a favorite one of mine to read about uh, a couple places where the actions of the filmmakers were actually put directly on trial. And I think that's interesting when it happens. Agreed. I think I think it's interesting, but I think this one just also gets a lot more flack because it's more kind of critical. It hits you over the head with it, right? It's not subtle, like exactly what you said. It's not subtle. It's taking shots at the media left and right. It's just an all-out assault, and so it's an easy target for cases like that. Insane. But if you look like what was a video game, Grand Theft Auto, right? It's similar to something along those lines. Of I would say that that video game is probably a lot more responsible impactful. for. Yeah. Yeah, for someone's behavior than going out and watching this movie. Yeah, I don't. I mean, again, I I don't. The whole sort of movies or video games push me over the edge. I'm not bought into that. So, so I saw this quote and I was like, ah, this this really sums it up when it comes to Marcus and me in terms of our interest in Tarantino. I'll say. So he, like I said, he disowned this film and he said. I hated that fucking movie. If you like my stuff, don't watch that movie. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and did, did you then, uh, so Oliver Stone has also had multiple comments that I, I didn't capture it here, but he has one where he says, well, he said, "That's he's like, you don't as a writer end up you know, shitting all over your film after someone else makes it. He's like, that's just a bad thing to do or something like that. So, so Stone came back against Tarantino very casually a couple times with some comments. I can understand that. I mean, like, yeah, I, I get it. Although it does sound like this movie was like nothing, really had very little to do with the original idea. Well, so so Tarantino was so frustrated. Apparently, he sought he sought out the rights to publish the screenplay as a book, which I which I guess he did. And so you can actually use so 
And I have to say, after watching this movie and then seeing some of the back and forth with what Tarantino said and Stone, I am curious to actually read the original script for this movie. So I might Me end too. up doing that. I might read I might read the Tarantino version of the script just to see, you know, how different it was because Stone claims that a lot of the dialogue that is in the movie was lifted directly out of what Tarantino wrote. So so I'm I'm curious to know how different it really was. Apparently most of what was fleshed out was the scene or the the time that Mickey and Mallory were just out on the road like the earlier part of the movie. Apparently Tarantino's script didn't have a lot of that. Apparently more it was more heavily weighted to the Wayne I guess Gale. the prison riot sequence. Yeah. So this the dialogue does sound the, like a I was gonna say the dialogue does feel like a Tarantino film in, in many regards. Oh it does, yeah. In fact the it, it's interesting because one of the notes I took was when Tommy Lee Jones first shows up and he's walking down the hallway, he has this great rapid fire delivery of dialogue and it's 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 pretty snappy, dialogue's pretty well done. Yeah. And then that apparently was one of the things that Tarantino did definitely right. Yeah. The, I think that's kind of interesting because yeah, I think the focus is more on like Wayne Gale and then Stone made it more on Mickey and Mallory. I personally, I don't like any of the scenes that focus on Mickey and Mallory. Like the first half of this movie, I could just do away with. And that's all Mickey and Mallory. When they get to the prison and you get a lot more of uh, the <laughs> warden and Scagnetti and, and uh, Wayne Gale, I actually like that part of the movie better. They're all awesome. <laughs> I'm not saying the, I like it. I'm just saying yeah. it works for me better. Because one of the things, and there, there's actually some plot that is going on. I feel like the first half of the movie, there's no plot. It's just a, you know these awful characters it's, who it's are on a, a killing spree. They give you some backstory right. on Mallory and stuff. And it's kind of set up. Well, let me ask before. <laughs> so how about Stone real quick? So Marcus, where do you rate this among... Oliver Stone's films for you? I'd have to look, but probably number one. <laughs> My favorite. So back in, uh, I think it was 93, when he was making this movie, I met Oliver Stone. Uh, he came into the Samuel Goldwyn Theater and he came out to buy a bag of peanuts. And I had a nice <laughs> chat with him. Peanuts. <laughs> peanuts. It was a big bag, too. And he was complaining about the movie he was watching. I can't remember what it was, but he said it had too many Hollywood cuts where the camera would pan and follow the people and then switch and then switch and he also and i have an autograph of his on a jfk cover so it was kind of cool it was my oliver stone reference but i was a big fan of him before i do think this would be the first movie that comes to mind when i think of oliver stone and probably one of my favorite one of his movies i do like wall street too i need to see platoon again i haven't seen platoon in quite a long time so i don't quite know where i'd rank it but it's probably one of my one of my favorites Colin? I rank it at the at the bottom. I do as well. <laughs> this this is my least favorite Oliver Stone film. And looking at the progression of the films he's directed, I apparently disliked this one so much that I didn't watch the next four or five that he made. I don't know what the fuck was going on in the 90s when it came to the editing, the styles, and, and this kind of the switch over to this rapid fire editing technique. Both both Stone and Tony Scott went this direction. Yeah. It shows up obviously it shows up a lot in JFK. Any given Sunday, I, I actually really do like that movie. I think that's a good movie. So that's I'll I'll uh, support Stone on that one. And but it has a lot of the same it's not not quite as aggressive on the cutting, but it's still there. But I don't know if, if you guys ever see U Turn, because U Turn yeah. has a lot of similarities to this movie in terms of the I style. U Turn. And it yeah. works so much better. Sean Penn is this total scumbag, so he's another character that you don't sympathize with at all. But that movie is so much better than this movie. I think it's a people are taking like what they're doing in videos and brought it to movies and trying like it's ex, it's definitely experimental. And that's what I appreciate by it, about it. It's not 
your typical shot. Yeah. All right. You guys want to talk cast? Let's do it. Sure. So I, I will say that I think this movie has an awful lot of very strong and interesting performances. I think they're, I think they're good for what it is they're doing. And we can start with Woody Harrelson. Uh, so I guess Woody Harrelson was, so I guess was, I'm not sure if Oliver Stone wanted Michael Madsen originally, but the studio was thinking about it, but then they said, uh, he's too scary. <laughs> Let's get that nice bartender from Cheers. <laughs> yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently Woody, Woody Harrelson, when Oliver Stone looked into his eyes, he said that he saw violence there. And that's why he ended up giving Woody Harrelson the part. I'll say Woody Harrelson has mad charisma. It, I mean, I think he's. I think this is an incredibly charismatic performance. I think it's a really good performance. I just think he's stuck in a movie that I don't really care for. I I really like Woody Harrelson. I think he does he does a great job. And like from I, from his days on Cheers to I was trying to look up his White Man. Yeah, White Man Can't Jump is before this one. I think that was his kind of real breakout movie for him. And I've been a big fan for. Uh, for a long time. I like him. I, I like Woody Harrelson a lot. I, I don't know if I like him in this role or in this film because I really hate the character of Mickey. So, Oh yeah, no, I, I hate the character, but I think the, the fact that I hate the character, I think that's also, but I, he's doing a, it's a, a pretty to decent you. job with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess too, so. Like, yeah, he does. He's very charismatic, but again, like, I, yeah, yes, he's very good in this role. He also have you guys he, with his with his golden curls. He sort of looks like Buffalo Bill, you know, from Star Wars. <laughs> Buffalo Bill, actually, how funny! That's funny. That's a good call. He really does. Have you guys seen the the new uh, Planet of the Apes movies? Yes. Then you mean the new? Oh yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. The the last one I think was might have been War War of the Planet of the Apes, where Woody Harrelson plays kind of like a Colonel Kurtz dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a like a, he's a little bit of a crazy army guy. Yeah. He's That's a really good perform- yeah. performance, and actually, he's really, really good in that movie. And you can see that he has the intensity, and he can dial it up when it's required. So, I'm thinking about if there's a if there's a psycho Woody Harrelson performance, I prefer that one to this one. Yeah. But he can definitely pull it off, and I think he does. I think he's really good in this movie. He's a great well, actor. I don't, I I mean, don't think he's, he's particularly like psychotic in this in this role. I mean, his it, actions are, but he does not come across like like a psycho. I think that's well, what, that's why I think it's good. Yeah, I totally agree. I think he comes across the fact that he he seems almost so normal, but then he's, you know, just killing people indiscriminately too. Like, right. I think the the, the yeah, scene the, when he goes to you, such a bizarre scene when he goes to meet over to Mallory's house with that danger Rodney Dangerfield and probably the, uh, the worst scene in the whole movie. Oh, that's one of my favorite. <laughs> yeah. It's so like crazy. But uh, nobody comes in and he's got this like, oh, he's a charming boyfriend, right? Yeah. Yes? Delivery for Ed Wilson. What on earth is it? It's beef lady. 50 pounds of beef. Oh, you wait right here. I have to have a word with my husband. Who are you? Thank you. Who are you? Mallory, you have to change your name to beautiful. It's like when you know, like when the would walk onto the screen, and yeah, exactly, like, exactly. Literally, have to stop and take a beat because the studio audience is just yeah. you know, cheering and whooping Going crazy. And, and yeah. You don't like that scene? No, With I hate the, it. It's. I mean, it's that, oh, what, that whole scene. Yeah, me too. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> me too. I, I mean, no, it's such I just, a like, I, I don't, we can dive into it now, I guess, but the, I think it's just such an interesting 
bizarre view because it's got the like the studio laugh track and it's just like sitcom and then the Rodney Dangerfield is like such a creep and it's just so like to me I think that's one of the one of the better scenes. First off, you don't tell me anything. You ask my permission. Second, you're not going out in that Hoover House dress. You'll end up peddling your ass, you stupid bitch. And third, you're not going out at all. You didn't mow the yard. That piece of shit llama is fine! So are you talk in front of your mother? You stupid bitch. You watch your language. Or I'll kick the shit out of you. Like I do her. So if your ass is in this house, it's my ass. So you move it upstairs and take a shower. You make sure it's a good shower. Because I'm coming up after to see how clean you are. The vibe of the movie is just so like unsettling and off. It it's grotesque, is what it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely grotesque. And, and, and I'm not saying I like it because it's like a like a something you like look up to and be like, oh, is that like a like a wonderful scene or something? But it's like No, it's no, so, I, I know. But it also yeah. because of it, because it is so grotesque, I and I felt like Stone was sort of trying to hit us over the head with, you know, sort of this dichotomy between you know what you see, like the, sort of the American family sitcom, and and then what what real families are like, and the, all the trauma and the abuse that real families go through, and it, it just it, it does not work for me at all. Uh, and I also just don't like I don't like being pulled out of a movie and placed into a sitcom, so that doesn't work for me. I mean, he actually you might, said you, might, I, you he, might want to he, might want to stay away from Wandavision for a while. <laughs> so, see, he, he said, I, I got this quote here. He was talking about because the film is thematically preoccupied with media, Stone sought to implement visual elements of popular television into the film's visual tableau. And he said, "quote It had never quite been done before—a mixture of stocks and styles." I was influenced, I have to say, by MTV and some of the styles I saw in the early 80s and 90s on television, but no one had tried that style over the course of 90 to 100 minutes. Yeah, I, I, that's what I like about it. Like, I think it is that it has, you don't see it before. It's not something you've done. And then also just the disturbing, off-putting kind of behavior of Rodney Dangerfield basically molesting his child and... And then they're I laying have, on top well, of both both of his kids actually yeah. apparently. And you're laying on top of that a, a soundtrack or a laugh track from like a sitcom. You're just like all oh like this is so like you know, I, disturbing. <laughs> to me, the whole thing feels like it, it feels like a film student trying to do something they think is really significant, and it completely yeah. fucking fails. Like that's exactly what that feels like. How about Juliette Lewis? She's always been an interesting actor for me to relate to. What do you guys think of Juliette Lewis? Love her. <laughs> She's fantastic in the real. I think she has the right amount of um, crazy. Like she goes from like normal kind of nice girl to just losing it. In such a great way. I think she's great in the role. I think she's a pretty amazing actress who I just don't like. And that's also like, so uh, I yeah. think I've compared her to like Sandra Bernhardt in many regards of be just being, she's supposed to be annoying to a certain degree and she does like a great job with it. Like, I think she's playing that role to a, how she's supposed to be playing it. And I think she's. Yeah. I mean, I think she's, I think she's a really good actor. She's not an actor that I necessarily love in a lot of her performances and as, for the characters that she plays, yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I think I think about this. I think about California is another one that comes to yeah. mind. She does trashy where, very well. Yeah, yeah, she does trashy very well, and and she and she carries it off, and you're totally bought into it. And I think as a for from a skill perspective, I think she's a very good actor. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just think, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think she's really good in this for what she's doing. I just think that it's just such a kind of weird sort of you know reprehensible character that it's just difficult to connect to. Oh, for sure. Yeah. How about Rob? How about Robert Downey Jr. Want to move on to him, or you want to keep going on Juliet Lewis? The, no, I was just gonna say the the cast is like filled with the Academy nominated, not for this movie, but Academy nominated and Academy Award winning uh, actors and actresses. Oh yeah, it's, it's definitely a super strong cast. That's a very strong cast. Well, and did you know that he was not supposed to be Australian as the character was originally written? But I, apparently, I was wondering I guess Robert Downey that. Jr. Yeah, apparently he went and was doing some work with. I think it's a disc jockey, an Australian disc jockey. A shock and then he jock came back and, and, or a and he had the yeah. or shock. He had the Australian accent, and I guess Stone's like, "Yeah, let's just roll with it." So, <laughs> Wayne Gale. I'm not sure why they needed to do the Australian accent. But oh, I love it. I think he. I, I think he does it okay. I mean, it, it's it's not that. I just it, I'm like, yeah, okay. Well, I was because you know who I was thinking about. And I, I remember thinking, was it Maury Povich? No, who was the or Inside Edition. What, what was the... There so, was one so of these Maury Povich crime was shows. a current affair and Inside Edition was Bill O'Reilly. I'm just trying to think of the crime show that was on oh. right around this time that was... Yeah, it doesn't really matter. But I, I think that... I mean, Downey Jr. is tons of fun in this. I, I'll say that his Wire character Guile. goes to a very interesting arc at the end of the movie. A little bit... Oh, yeah. a, a little bit maybe too far on the arc there, but, you know... He loses I his think, shit I so think, bad. It's so... Yeah. <laughs> Their prison break I, I, is all in. <laughs> it's just I, I so honestly think that, that I, I have a real problem with that. That's I like know. one of the worst. That's one of the worst uh, decisions in the movie. No, he but, come on, he, he drops and he's doing like a like a somersaulting a Martin Riggs. So over the top. <laughs> I, I think Robert Downey Jr. is probably the best part of the movie. Saying that word live interview with Wayne Gale. Anticipation, David. I would agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The, he, and I he, love that he does an Australian accent because <laughs> I just if I I think it makes him even smarmier than he should be. No offense to Australians, there's just something about it that really is just just amps it up. And uh, but it feels like a fake Australian accent to a certain degree, right? Like it's not. Well, it is. Yeah, it is. It's exaggerated for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. That's why. Wine guile. Wine guile. So I will say that he's the one bright point in this movie. But no, but also yeah, yeah, you're right. Totally over the top. But everyone's over there. Yeah. Like Tom Sizemore's in it as yes. Gagnetti. Everyone, yes, everyone is over the top. Yeah. So actually, what do you think about Tom Sizemore? Oh, he's such a jerk. Movie? <laughs> like he's so creepy. Like the Scagnetti. I don't, uh, truthfully, truthfully, I don't understand the point of the character in this movie. Like that, that, that I think is one of the big misses in this movie in terms of like what is he there? Why is he doing? Why do they have him strangle a prostitute for no reason whatsoever? I know. Yeah, that was. It, it's like it's. it's I can so only fucking think, stupid. I, I mean, it's 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 just. Pointless. I, I think it it just must be to, to show that you know whether you're on one side of the law or the other, everyone's a fucking degenerate. Yeah, and I think that's what the I mean that's what Wayne Gale is like. Everyone is kind of like celebrating this murder spree in their own way, and yeah. I, like everyone's like I, I understand that, but there's a difference between like being you know, finding it somewhat titillating to just you know inviting a woman into your room so you can strangle yeah, her yeah. right it, i mean that's just i mean that's that 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 scene was way over the top for me i thought it, that was another of my least favorite scenes in the movie not the attempted rape or uh <laughs> no there'll be a list i mean we'll, we'll come to this we go, so 
I will say I, this I about like this Sizemore. Movie. Sizemore is good in this. I, I have to say, he, this is probably like his best era as the the early '90s and working with like Tarantino material. I one thing I wanted to say about so I wasn't sure immediately when I heard his name. I thought, oh, is he supposed to be like is he Seymour uh, Seymour Scagnetti? who is the parole officer, Vic Vega's parole officer in mm, Reservoir yeah. Dogs. But then I realized, oh, his name is Jack. So much like the, uh, the sort of the brother. Tarantino universe, I think he's like, yeah, a relation, a brother or something like that. And then I also just wanted to point out, he's got a really nice eraser head haircut going. <laughs> but let me ask you, I mean, what is, the, what is the point of his character in this movie? I mean, I know that it, they're just trying to, because obviously, you know, he has the book that he wrote. And yeah, I think it's to, to Colin's you know, point. Because, the, uh, it's just showing that the police are equally kind of corrupt and culpable for what's going on, like promoting the murder and, and, and benefiting off of it. And, you know, it's all a thrill. Like, okay, we have all this murder and death and the police are. He's also, he's also like promoting his own book, right? So he's part of the media, right? Cause he's got these books that he's written about his, his life as a, as a law enforcement officer. Skagnetti right. on Skagnetti. Yeah, I think you have to have somebody who's chasing them. Like so so he serves that purpose. But then yeah, he's a total douchebag. But right? He, he also right. needs someone to drop the line. Oswald might have been a pussy, but he was a great shot. <laughs> Which is a great call out <laughs> That's, okay. That's a total Tarantino line, right? Well, and then we have a Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> whose performance in this movie Joel Schumacher saw and watched and said, I want you to do that exact same thing when you play Two Face in Batman Forever. <laughs> I want you to bring the exact same energy. Turn it up. It's like you're you're perfect for this. How much? And, I, and why they give Tommy Lee Jones the oversized pompadour? I have some questions there. I mean, well, I was wondering, was Dean Stockwell from Blue Velvet not available? Yeah, I mean, that's Tommy Lee Jones is uh, super grating in this uh, movie for me, it's, and I generally like Tommy Lee Jones. Well, he does go. He goes like super over the top. Yeah, I was gonna say my unanswerable question is how much spit does he come out of his mouth as he's yelling? <laughs> How does he get his, his face so beat red? Yeah, he's, yeah, it's yeah, he's great though. I like the introduction of the scene where Skagnetti's there and the warden's giving him a tour and he's sort of just basically bringing him up to speed. You, you mentioned it earlier, rapid fire dialogue. I actually, right. I think that might have been my favorite scene in the movie. Great to meet you, warden. Uh-huh. So, I'll tell him a two favorite asshole. Oh, we got them two rat bucks back up in there. I guess you want to see them. Why not? No. <laughs> I seen you on TV. Oh, yeah? yeah? I went ready goddamn buck. I'm impressed. Oh. Surprise Hollywood ain't found you yet. Oh. Your story make a lot better movie than that Serpico shit. <laughs> I'll tell you something, Skagnetti. In all of my days in the penal business, and that ain't no small amount of days, right, boys? Oh, nope. no. Ricky and Mallory Knox are without doubt the most twisted, depraved pair of shit fucks it has ever been my displeasure to lay my goddamn eyes on. I'm telling you, these two motherfuckers are a walking reminder of just how fucked up this system really is. Don't get me started, okay, Warren? Don't get me started. Dwight. You call me Dwight. They killed a shitload of inmates and guards? Three inmates, five guards, one shrink, all in one year's time. Open that goddamn gate. I, I felt like, oh, finally, something I can actually enjoy. Yeah, because it felt like you were dipping into a Tarantino movie at that point. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. That covers the cast. <clears throat> Want to dive into some scenes? <laughs> Boy, wasn't that a clunky transition? <laughs> <laughs> so the, the movie does open with that what I think is probably an infamous diner scene at this point. Don't you think if people are thinking about this movie that they think about that scene in particular? Don't you think it's probably one of the more famous scenes from the movie? I would agree. I think that's my probably one of my favorite scenes too with the eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Like it's definitely the 
kind of scene that you remember them the most by, at least for me. I love that scene because it's my cue to turn the TV off. (laughs) (laughs) The open. (laughs) Well, let me ask you this. So the, the, there is, I think one person is bludgeoned to death. One person is knifed. I think another person or the, the waitress is shot, but what's the most disgusting thing in that opening sequence to you guys? The, the, the scorpion being run over. As I said, no, for me, the guy hitting the con- on. Well, we can talk about that in a minute, but I know for me, it's the consistency of a key lime pie. <laughs> I'm not a, I don't eat a lot of key lime pie, but when you look at that thing, it's a little too gelatinous for me. <laughs> I think it's pretty gross. That's really what stood out to me. Nice take. <laughs> wow. Hey, that was unexpected. So they're in the diner and I will say that when the guys come in, they're immediately, everybody in this movie is an over-exaggerated asshole, right? Because they walk in, these two guys, and they're like, hey, go take a run at her because they see Mallory sitting over there and she's dancing by the jukebox. And what does the guy do? He like, he, he pantomimes or mimes having a beer bottle as his dick and he's like, ur, ur, like grinding at her. It's just, I mean, it goes from zero to stupidity in about 30 seconds. Yeah. It just in terms of what the character actions are. Yeah, I feel like the the characters themselves are meant to be grotesque, and they are. And then the violence is is very like cartoon violence. It's very over the top. Yeah, there's even some scenes with when there's violence where they actually have cartoon music in the background. Yeah. Well, and yeah, also you, like I, even some cuts of Mickey as a cartoon too, right? Like in like kind of heavy metal uh, yeah, animation, right, animation and stuff. Yeah, which I did not like either. <laughs> Just another thing I didn't like about this movie. No yeah, I don't know why they use green as a color that they associate with Mickey's violence, but that that shows up in a couple places in this movie. Yeah, you know, the, the really? drugstore here, he has little flashes of like green thinking. So green is somehow associated with him committing violence. I didn't understand, I but did not pick up on that. Oh yeah, that's that's a repeated theme. And then also the, he keeps he sees the the image of the headless dude. I think maybe around some of those times too, and and you're thinking about oh who's that, and then of course they realize or they reveal later in the movie that his dad shot his head off or blew his head off. So he has a couple you know repeated things that go through his head as signifying I think when he's gonna have a when he's gonna have a bad moment. He's transforming. Green is a sign of life and growth. So like this is Mickey transforming to his higher being. Transform into <laughs> my own higher being in a minute here. <laughs> I, I will say that I do think the knife shot going through the window is kind of cool. I think that's a cool camera shot. So yeah. I, I'll give it that. I don't. I, I Both those uh, <laughs> shots of the bullet in slow-mo and the knife in slow-mo from the POV of the, the bullet and the knife, I didn't like that. Especially I didn't like the the switch in music to from like this very frenetic music to like sort of operatic music. Right. Did not like that at all. And why do you think Why do you think he chose to have the bullet pause like that? Because he's an idiot. <laughs> Sorry, I know he, he's be, he's trying to be artistic. Call him might be in a bad, officially and, in a bad mood for this conversation. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I don't, it just Oliver Stone's vision. Uh, just I think it's it's just no. Well, I guess the question I have is between this and the follow-up scene at Mallory's house, where there's the laugh track. Do you think he was actually trying to make a black comedy or not? Because I don't, I don't think this feels like a black comedy for me. No, I, mean, I think it's, it's, it's all sort of, it's like in your face, over stylized, 
it's violent, you know, we're going to beat you over the head with it. But I don't think it's intended to be a black comedy. I would say it's satire more than like a comedy. Like it's trying yeah. to go over the top, but it's not trying to be funny. Well, a dark comedy is not really funny either. It's a, yeah. I think I would say it's more of a satire. I wouldn't, I wouldn't qualify like very bad things and some of that stuff. Other movies are, you know, dark comedies. This one is not to that level. But that's the, that's the thing that I have, I find wrong with this is that I think that, yes, there are definitely scenes that are satirical and very over the top satirical. And then there are other scenes that aren't. And I just felt like it didn't work because of that. I think what's frustrating to me about this movie is the scenes that are not over hyper stylized. There's some actually some really interesting photography and there's some interesting moments. Like I think the bridge scene where they're getting married and you see oh, the yeah. stuff like floating through the air. Sure. Yeah. I think, Her veil I think that, flying that, off. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, yeah. it looks really good. It's, really cool. it's a nice moment. I mean, it's, it's, it's filmed really well. And if, if he had just not done the 3,000 cuts and all the 18 different types of media and blah, 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 and, and if it was just a story and it was shot with maybe, you know, maybe a few different, I don't know, media formats, I, I think it I think it could have been more effective. And I think it would have, would have made you more interested in the characters. But all of the, the constant cutting for me, it just takes you totally, you're just, I'm just looking at it as an experiment. I'm not looking at it as I'm in no way invested in the characters at all. Yeah, because I think, because the, the style is so disruptive. Yeah, I think it would have been... Probably overall a better movie, but not a more memorable movie. If that makes sense. Like I think it would have just been a fine. It would have been like California, or it would have been like you know U-turn or something along those lines. It would have right. been. It wouldn't have been that special of a movie, and not necessarily special as a great thing because you guys don't like it. But it's far more memorable to you than many other movies that you'll watch, just because you're seeing it as bad. But I I see it as good, and it's just the that hyper stylization makes it interesting at least right yeah i think u-turn is a a much better movie and i think u-turn uses some of the same editing techniques but not to the obviously the extreme level here yeah i haven't seen that one in a while so i I think this one is more it's done to provoke a response and it's done to be a little bit shocking and for good or bad right like it's not necessarily trying to make you like the movie um well maybe we should do u-turn as a as a follow-up to this just just as a comparison because i think you're right it's almost like he had to do natural born killers to realize how just over the line he went and then he could do u-turn and And realize it it, yeah pull it back and now it's a good movie so we, we did talk about the Mallory's house sequence a little bit earlier. Colin, you were saying that you don't think the laugh track works. I don't think the laugh track works at all. I, I don't really have a, a whole lot to say other than, yeah, this, this, this also, this is, is this where they started inserting the animation? What it, what it really sort of made, reminded me of was MTV. Like, you know, yeah. and this was kind of like the height of the MTV era right it's also right when mtv started to transition or I, they'd already had i guess for a couple of years in terms of away from videos to like to all the content and to, to the like content this is like the, the real year world of the stuff. real world yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, it's just i think it was just like this almost like oliver stone's reaction to what was going on with the world in terms of like media yeah. and not just you know not just uh, a current affair inside edition you know crime based of news magazines and it was like everything with MTV and and it and I think that moment actually has passed us right like I don't really particularly think we're in that anymore that we're dealing with those types of issues anymore yeah there's still a lot of violence but it's not like I don't think that 
that the media is necessarily glorifying violence. No. I think I think it's all shifted from crime to politics is where it's the, well, like Fox at News the moment. CNN, yeah, at the moment, and, yeah. But you're saying like the shows like Cops was a big thing back in the right. early 90s, and that's not like or what's the other America's Most Wanted in some of those those shows. Well, maybe maybe we can shift a little bit to so. After they go to the bridge scene, you are introduced to Wayne Gale. So Robert Downey Jr. shows up. Actually, I like his intro quite a bit. That's the you know where you yeah. see him and you, you see the equivalent of the current affair. Or, or what is it? American Maniacs, I think is what it's called. I, that that sort of that overall energy and it looks like it's. I mean, it looks like it's a legitimately produced show. The way that they have the clips cut together and his energy is is really good. The thing that I, raises an eyebrow for me on that one is. They also cut to these scenes where he's interviewing people that are out on the street, and it's kind of like, you know, Mickey and Mallory are these heroes. Tell it's like, what do you think of Mickey and Mallory? Huh? Hot. They're hot. Totally. I love Mickey and the Mallory. They're so cool. They're so great. Mickey and Mallory, best thing to happen to mass murder since mass. Yeah, but uh, they're way cooler. Tuck all the great figures from the States. Elvis, uh, Jack Kerouac. James Dean. Dean. They are super cool. Nicky Salon. Jim Morrison, Jack Nicholson, and a bloody pail of nitro, and you got Mickey and Mallory. I'm not saying, you know, I believe in mass murder or that shit, but... Don't get us wrong. Yeah, you know, we respect human life and all. But if I was a mass murderer, I'd be Mickey and Mallory. That's that's I mean that's come on like that's never gonna happen. That's I mean, never it, happened. Are you like no one is right. nobody's ever gonna be outside like rallying for support for mass murders and and to say they're cool. I mean I, I get that there's <laughs> they're trying to do a little bit of the Bonnie and Clyde callback, right? It's like if you kill 52 people or whatever they do by the time this movie's over. By the way, apparently the body count in this movie it says it's 145. Wow. But so they they must have given well, a lot that of people prison, right? prison scene. They you can get pretty generous with counting. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But don't you think, I mean, don't you think those interviews or the, in, the interviews with the people on the street and everybody's rallying together and holding signs, that's, that's pretty stupid, don't you yeah, think? It's the, it's, it's part of the point, right? Everyone is involved and caught up in glorifying and relishing in these two, Mickey and Mallory, right? And the crime that they're doing the, and the just showing that's just the public is eating it up also, right? You have the media is loving it. The public's the one driving the media. The public's like loving it. The police are like, all got a hard on for it all and just like this is like the greatest thing ever and that's the his point of the story i don't agree like with that is it realistic no no almost none of this is realistic but i mean you're you're not gonna have a media guy lose his shit and start picking up guns and leading a prison break yeah so there's there's some really stupid shit that happens in yeah. this movie oh i totally agree like and i don't i i don't see it as a it's it's just a movie, right? It, it, I don't see it as a reality. Like it's not an accurate reflection. Yeah, it's like, kind of interesting. Let, I, let's talk I about think... superhero movies for a second. There's so much that happens there that's just so like beyond the realm. And not to say this but, is a superhero movie, but it's approaching that sort of suspension of disbelief, right? So I can't believe I I'm about to I I think maybe defend this movie. Yes, <laughs> I'm pulling you over. Yourself, no, but just put yourself back into your 1994 self as you're watching this movie. I I sort of think that it's a lot more believable with all of the fans, right? The people who are like just you know, caught up in this and then putting, you know, putting together signs like murder me Mallory, you yeah. know, I could almost 
see it, but I think it was literally just of a moment. And then that moment has passed and people sort of like, you know, they've got their shit together and it's like, okay, no, this is, that's ridiculous. And it is well, ridiculous. I mean, Look at, yeah, looking at it 25 years later, it's completely ridiculous. Yeah. You can't really, I mean, the, the OJ Simpson trial <laughs> weighs heavily on this, right? Right. In terms yeah, of yeah. people, you know, standing outside and rallying for somebody who probably cut his wife's head off. And so that's, yeah, there's some questions there. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I just cannot see how mass murderers, no matter how charismatic they are, could generate that type of following. Would they generate some followers? Absolutely. Happens all the time. But right. this is but, also a different, like prior to this, you did not have like the Columbine and Sunday Hook and some of the, some of these horrific events that have happened. And so I think in light of those, people have a very different mindset. Whereas this is pre any of those kind of events, not to say that there weren't shootings before. There was never, uh, they were a lot smaller and a lot smaller scale. Yeah. I just, I just can't see this, how, yeah. how this would ever actually happen in that sort of way. But it's, but, it's I don't think it's intended to be realistic. It's not like, no, a, no, yeah. no, it's not. And it's like, it is going over the top. It's going into like yeah. complete satire. So one All of right, the so scenes that, that the scenes that don't work for me in this were the kind of the, the Native American and kind of the hallucinations and some of that stuff. That's where I think it's just I'm not quite sure what they're going for. And it, those were the ones I thought were the weakest. Well, overall. I think the next I think that let, me, let me say this. I think the next two major scenes or sequences in this movie don't work. And I think they're among the, the two worst in the movie. It's a motel so room. The, yeah. The first one is they go to the motel room and it's just. You know, it's it's sort of this annoyance in terms of they're driving into town and Mickey's saying, oh, let's go pick up a hostage. And he says that casually. And then, you know, he's on what? the bed with Juliette Lewis. And then you it cuts over. And there's, <laughs> you know, and there's, there's, yeah, there's a woman who's yeah. in the corner, you know, who's, you know, she's duct taped, she's tied up. And the other thing that doesn't work here is, and this is one of those examples of where I, Stone thinks, or, you know, it's an attempt to be deeper than it is. They're just flashing all these connections between sex and violence, right? So you see animals that are mating, you see outside the window imagery of, you know, you see Stalin and the yeah. Holocaust. And then, you know, the, the movies that are on TV, right? So you see Scarface and Midnight Express. Oliver Stone wrote both of the screenplays, by the way. So a little, little self-gratification there. <laughs> Oliver Stone. But, it's, but it's, it's, it's like sex and violence, sex and violence. But it's not saying anything to actually justify a connection. It's just flashing random imagery at you. And the whole sort of unpleasantness of the fact that you know, she's going to leave so that he can rape this hostage. That's just a little over the top for me. Like, I don't, I don't need that yeah. scene at all, honestly. And from there, when they go to the desert, again, I just think that it's, I think it's fucking racist. I do. It's like they, you know, stumbles on, you know, he finds an Indian guy, an American Indian. And, you know, immediately he's, that guy is giving them, you know, the equivalent of some sort of a potion and they're doing a ritual. And it's like, what about just, I mean, it could just be some dude who's living out there. And it has a bunch of stupid shit. Like it's projecting too much TV across his chest. And it's just, that and then of course, really you know, yeah. those two scenes are just fucking terrible. It's like the, those two scenes are the worst part of the movie for me. That and the Scagnetti um, strangulation, those three th scenes in a row are by far the worst chunk of this movie. Yeah, totally great. And this is why I don't like the first half of this movie. Yeah. It, yeah. I think with the the hostage and that, I think there was a large part of like trying to tell a love story. Like Mallory's doing this out of love. Let's talk about this. All right, go go ahead. Uh, I, I was thoughts. just gonna say I think that's the reason behind that scene, and those are the like the marriage and the way like she's like going away with him. I think that's the what he's trying for. I'm not saying success. I think that's just the connection he's trying to make there. The, the Native American stuff. I think he can. 
do without all of that. I think it's just either the visual or he's trying to connect it to nature or going back to our, you know, well, and it's, a more it's, primal time or something. I don't know what he's really going for there, but. Well, and it's strange. It's almost strangely attempting to, you know, create some small moment of empathy towards Mickey because he accidentally kills the guy when he's having one of his horrible visions. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to say about the love story aspect though, Colin? The love story. So there are several scenes where it's basically just the two of them talk, professing their love to each other, right? There's yeah. like the bridge scene. There's the scene after the cafe where they're out in the middle of the desert, you know, in the middle of the night on sitting in the car, right? A couple of those scenes. And, and yet then they're trying to tie all of this back to, well, how did, the, how, what made these two characters into what they are? And it's, you know, these traumatic childhoods filled with, violence and sexual violence and and i just don't buy for a minute that people that were so fucked up in their childhood that they would go on a mass murder spree could have any of the type of love feelings for each other that they show Mm. in this movie i just it just doesn't it it doesn't hold water for me because they would be sociopathic you mean and not yeah yeah absolutely no and and they would not and the way Mickey is just so sort of like cool about killing people and sort of nonchalant, like I just see him as being a lot more, He, I think he should be a lot more on edge, harder, more violent, and yet he's not. And I, I know I know that's a choice that the filmmaker made, but I don't buy it for a second. So it's, I actually think that's a strength to this movie, though, honestly, is I think that, I, I do think that Woody Harrelson's uh, characterization of the way that he plays Mickey is, you know, purposefully disarming to the point that I think it's but, effective. Yeah, 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 but but they're trying to then say that he's he's this way because of his childhood, and yeah. and I, I don't think that he would ever be that way because of what he experienced as a child. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right in the reality of it that this it wouldn't really work. I think what the these two Honestly, psychop- be, he's like a psychopath, right? Yeah. I mean, he comes across as a psychopath or a sociopath. Yeah. And you don't need to have the type of upbringing that he had to be that way. And yeah, it would he- have been a lot more truthful, I think, if he, he hadn't tried to push that onto us. Yeah. I think Mallory, the, uh, I get, because Mallory, I don't really think is a psychopath. I think what the goal, the thing was is they're saying like you know they're attracted to each other because of the same like right they're both psychopaths and they like are but drawn I don't to think each she other. is a psychopath. Do you I, think she's a psychopath? I don't know. I think it's, she's just caught up in what he's doing, and then you know she pushes back like in the motel room scene. Like she's, I don't think she deep down inside you know she wants to kill and rape. Yeah, usually it's out of response, like right, but she's not. Like in the bar, she's doing, or in the diner, she's doing it. I response out of, out of. I mean, I'm not. I'm not going to say that she's not a bad person. Be, I mean, well, she yeah. had a horrible <laughs> upbringing, and she's got a lot of hate for the world. And you know, the stuff yeah. that she does to Scagnetti is actually is completely hundred percent warranted. As I was saying, like a lot of it's based on what's happening around her too and stuff. So yeah, she's responding to it. Okay. All right, so so Colin mentioned this earlier, but they do get to the drugstore, and this is where there there are certain elements of this scene that I kind of like because you at least see that they're both a little fucked up at this point. So if you are not a fan of these characters, you're not necessarily super disappointed. Like you see Mallory kind of dragging her way through the store because she has snake venom in her. But then, of course, they Colin mentioned they just kill an innocent 
pharmacist for no reason whatsoever. And then they, then he has a shootout with the cops and they get captured. They're murderers. So. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know if you guys noticed, but of course, like when, you know, when he's, when they're having the shootout, you, you can see writing on the wall or writing on the walls and on the countertops and all that. And it says, you know, barbiturates and drugs and drugs are your friend or things like that. So it's, again, this it's trying to provide some over the top commentary. Yeah. Anytime he flashes, you know, wording over a character or on a wall or something, it's like, okay, no. Yeah. And that's well, what you, what is, who are you, Joel Schumacher? I was just going to say that. That was what, what uh, I disliked about falling down. Also, was like all the like posters and all the like you know overt stuff. But right, and the, yeah, there's a there's a lot of that here. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Think about think that scene. Overall, like the movie definitely does try too hard, and that's why I think it fails. I think if it would have, I think it could have been a really good. I don't even know what you call this genre of films, early nineties, <laughs> whatever, whatever it is, right? Like the Pulp Fiction and this kind of style. Don't, it, don't, do not lump this movie in with Pulp no, Fiction. No, 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 no. I'm saying is it could have been one of those early, great, gritty kind of indie films. Okay. Uh, yeah. But instead. I was it, sort of hoping for that. In fact, yeah. I mean, it came out like two months before Pulp Fiction. So, but what it tried, it was trying to do more than just be one of those. It could have been one of those great films, but it was trying to do a whole lot more and have this message and all this other stuff which made it interesting and I enjoy the movie greatly because of it, but it's not a great movie because of it. If that makes sense. Like I don't see it as a great movie, but I do see it as a very interesting movie, which makes it great. There's a bunch of random stuff. So when, so when they get to the prison and I will say the Tommy Lee Jones introduction, so the dialogue is he's rapid fire firing it off when he's walking down the hallway. That's, that's pretty fun. So yeah. that, that I think is well done. However, I was just wondering, so the, the inmates that keep coming up to him and asking for help that he just brushes aside, they're all African-American. So I'm wondering if that's, is that intentional? Is that, is that stone trying to send a message? Yeah. I, I don't know or if that's the case or not. I think it might just be that the warden is just blowing off the prisoners because who gives a fuck? They're just prisoners. Right. Yeah. Don't know. The other thing that happens in the scene, so there's just a flash of what their prison life is like. And there's a scene where, you know, Mickey is working with a yoga instructor inside his cell, completely unsupervised. And then he kills him. Oh, was, so, he, was he a yoga instructor or was he just like a, I thought uh, it was his, another prisoner. His, his prisoner who was a yoga enthusiast? Yeah, that's what I thought. No, maybe. Maybe that was it, but I, I mean, just I hope so on. because like, I don't think it'd be a good idea to put a yoga instructor inside the cell. Well, that's okay. That's fine. We had the same observation. Like, what the fuck is this? It's like you're you're letting this guy who's killed like 52 people or whatever just you know have uh, be totally unsupervised with somebody else. I, I, that seems unlikely to me. Yeah, I think the other thing. So Wayne Gale, you know, starts setting up this idea that he's going to do an interview with Mickey after the Super Bowl. I love this, right? So of course <laughs> the Super Bowl and male aggression and football and violence. How about the idea that you're going to follow up a Super Bowl with a with an interview of a, with a serial killer? It seems like a bit of a stretch. It's something that you'd be promoting directly after the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I could be wrong on that. I think it's, it's sort of that logical progression of uh, what sells and what's going to sell the most. And you've got the, you know, the huge audience. And so like naturally you would do this live interview with a serial killer. I mean, I, I see his logic, but again, I don't think that TV executives would go that far. I mean, they probably would want to go that far because <laughs> thinking about the ratings, but there's, you know, people do still have some level of moral conscience. And so maybe it's not the best idea. I was going to say it's an important slot to premiere things too. So do you really want to do it? You get the one off, you get the, the, the money and the ratings for your single serial killer show, but... 
and yet, thinking maybe you're, you know, maybe you're looking to cross promote something how, more effectively. How many times have they had like at the end of the Super Bowl, Barbara Walters interviews, yeah. you know, some celebrity or some notorious person. I'm pretty sure they've done like, didn't she interview Brad Pitt and Angelina after some Super Bowl or something and a whole bunch of I stuff like. Well, they didn't murder a bunch of people, so I'll give them that. Are, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> well, and uh, so then they get to the prison interview. So th- Sorry, what yeah. I really liked about it was that, you know, so Wayne Gale says basically like the game just sucked and they want to see this guy Mickey and these guys just want to tear their wife's heads off, you know, and then what happens like after the Super Bowl and it's it's the the Cowboys crushing the, the Buffalo Bills, I think. And so he was right. <sighs> the game just sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Marcus. Yeah. <laughs> well, was that the the second one? It would have been right ninety three. I think it. I think my yeah. I think so. Like the fifty. The fourth four loss. Fifty five to like something. Yeah. <sighs> well, and then so he's getting prepped for the interview, and oh. he just he decides to shave his head in his cell. I just thought, here we go. We get the obligatory. Oh, look what a brave actor I am! I, I'm shaving my head on screen. I would give that to Demi Moore in, in G.I. Jane because that's I think really she going did for it better. It. Yeah, I yeah. think she did it better. Yeah. By the way, can I ask a question? Yeah. Why is Mallory in a men's prison? Mm. Co-ed? Hadn't thought I about that. It. Don't know. I'm not, not terribly familiar if prisons have the male wing and the female wing. They yeah. don't. No. Yeah, 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 usually they're separate, but I, good point. Good question. Good call. Because <laughs> they need them together calling. on to break out together. So, yeah. The, well, the only so, possible explanation is that they were going, you know, they're in a holding or something. They're going to be transferred to, you know, a psychiatric prison, but but they wouldn't bring them together yeah, first but, and then transfer them. So yeah, yeah. So when Mickey's sitting down, this is another example of where you know he starts saying, you know, we're all predators, and he's talking about corporate predators and nuclear predators. So it's some sort of like predatory, like the world's a predatory place, and we're raping the environment, and therefore it all equates to. It's violence, you know, on the whatever grand scale that's Mickey is personifying. Can I tell and you then, something? But, yeah. Honestly? Yeah. Every time Mickey started go, started monologuing, my brain just shut down. <laughs> I, I, it just made no sense to me. None yeah. of it. Marcus, you got to rally for this movie. No, no. I, I don't. I, like I said, I don't like a lot of the overt kind of uh, trying to hit you over the head with the messaging, I think doesn't work that well at all. Uh, and that's not. Those aren't the reasons I enjoy the movie. I think it's far more interesting from the style, the cutting, the the mix of music. That's what I was asked earlier. Like the 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 soundtrack's fantastic with like lots of nine inch nails, as Leonard Cohen, mixed it in like Bob Dylan, Cowboy Junkies. Colin's gonna be a face. We should probably yeah, we should probably talk about that later. Okay. Well, I say the other thing that that I do think is kind of fun is there is a Coca Cola commercial, right? So it cuts away from the violence and it shows this commercial the polar bears the polar bears and it's intended to be it was specifically i think done to say you know there's life is chaos and these commercials are intended to be something that is supposed to be a you know a salve you know they're supposed to be emotionally pleasing for you the great thing about this was coca-cola approved that their product to be used here and then they didn't have the full context of the movie so when the board of directors ended up seeing the final version they lost their fucking mind which i think is great that's funny that's great yeah yeah they put out at least one statement about it i maybe two i I can't remember but it's pretty funny bad idea coke i was i was really surprised to see those i remember those commercials on like why did coke like allow this (laughs) yeah like well, yeah, it's funny because I took in my notes. I'm like, does Coca-Cola approve this ad when I was watching it? And then I went and did the research. I'm like, no, they did not. Yeah, no, I, I, they was like, yeah, they lost their shit. 
Yeah, that was pretty funny. I, I don't, well, you, hey, Colin, you want to talk about the music? I mean, we're getting down to kind of the final sequence. No, no, no. Uh, this, let's so. just continue talking about the, the prison. We can talk about the music at the end. I well, do yeah, love, I, mean, I, I was just going to say, I mean, the, the prison at this point. Well, I so here, here's one thing that's stupid, right? So they're mm-hmm. showing the interview of Mickey in the prison to the prisoners, right? They're never going to do that. I mean, that's just, of course that's, not. just that's just asinine, right? But of course, that starts a riot. The one, My question about this prison and the riot situation is, why are people so totally uncontrolled when it starts, right? Everybody has free reign to go everywhere. I mean, they're getting, you know, they're, they're grabbing the guards, they're grabbing the guards' weapons. It's just, it seems very unrealistic that they would have the level of access they do immediately when the riot starts. Okay, A, this is very poorly run prison. I don't know if you did recall. You, did you, you see the warden? Saying, yeah, when the <laughs> warden's walking down the, the hallway and there's all these prisoners around him, like going right up to him and like, right. okay, no, that, I don't think that would ever happen. The warden is actively plotting the assassination of two of the prisoners in his care. This is, yeah. Well, and then that's, it's, it's so, no wonder. Well, and when they have the interview with Mickey, that's the other thing that just doesn't make any sense to me. This guy has done what he's done. He obviously has nothing to lose. They have him in a room with people that have weapons. So presumably he could actually grab one of those, which he does. And he's walking around. He has no chains on him at all, right? There's no no ankle chains, no you know no cuffs. They're right. just letting him. And of course, he's able to jump on somebody. And then they end up shooting their way out. And he grabs the camera crew and then starts going through the the prison. And that that leads to the the Wayne Gale sequence, which Marcus, I don't know if you want to talk about it. But oh, hold on. Before we get to that, I do want to call out during the interview. I love the the part where. Wine Guile says, "Like <laughs> I was there for the shit when when the shit went down in Grenada." <laughs> Grenada, <laughs> that's hilarious. She's Great like, oh, "You're uh, you're yeah. like going a little too far." Yeah, oh, that was that was funny. The whole prison goes just crazy. Everything. I love how like fires just randomly start everywhere in any prison break. <laughs> there's always a uh, there's always a random fire going on in the background. I love but, I how many guards do they kill? Because and they're doing like the worst shit to guards. They're like putting the nooses around their necks and throwing them off oh, of yeah. the uh, like the second story. They're um, throwing them into the spin cycle. Uh, yeah, I mean, so this <laughs> is actually I, I did the when I was when I was researching this. Apparently, this is a lot of stuff that's in the director's cut that they did not show in the theatrical version. Oh, okay, I was so wondering. They, they, cut, they cut two or three minutes of, of violence from the prison scene. I've not seen the director's so I did cut. Not, I did not see the, the the guard go into the washing machine, but or the dryer. Oh, it was it was beautiful. I have to say. I also I love how when Mickey takes control, right, and now he's got the shotgun, and there's like one guard left that he hasn't shot, and he's like standing there, and he's like holding up his hands, like, and in one hand he's holding a shotgun, the other he's holding a donut. Yeah, he's like, drop and it, and, it and, and he's like drop it, and he drops the donut. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Okay. That's funny. <laughs> that was that was a, that was a good little moment. I enjoyed that. God, yeah. God damn it. Yeah, it's good. Well, yeah. So the last part of the movie is they're just basically running through, or they're they're running through the prison yeah. trying to escape. Again, this is one of those scenario, one of those moments where, so Wayne Gale picks up the gun and he starts shooting at the guards, which that's that was a, that was a bridge too far for me when I when it came to even like bizarre character choices. So it kind of I do not. I thought it actually. I did not fit. see him. I did not see him uh, shooting at the guards. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, in, in reality, no. But it kind of fit with his over enthusiasm and just excitement of all of this. It kind of did work for me. In that, like, it seemed like not that he would, but he just got so caught up in it. And he just like. I'm never coming home. Don't you get it? I'm alive for the first fucking time in my life. I'm alive. Because I don't love you anymore. I love me. Yeah, that's right. Meg is not a fucking restaurant. 
I don't care. Take the rest of the money. It's all yours anyway. And one more thing. You piss off, you cunt! It's good to be with you, Wayne Gale. You do a lot of good for people. In reality, it's not going to happen. Like, no, I, I agree. I, but yeah, it's 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 keeping with his character. He he's so caught up in the moment of yeah. what he's doing that he just like, he suddenly yeah. <laughs> he, just, he, he he becomes he comes over to the side of the you know the, the person that he's interviewing or yeah. And I like, mean, who, first of all, who would be doing commentary, live commentary during? I mean, during a, a prison. You know, ride. actually, yeah, this, exactly. this reminds while, me of while a book being I read. Hostage reminds me of a book I read. It was called. Uh, Hostage terrorist, terrorist hostage, <laughs> study in duality. The obligatory diehard reference. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, but, but you also have like saw that kind of transformation because even at the end, he thinks he's part of the gang with them. Like, right? When they escape and they're out, you know, he's like, oh, you can't kill me. Like, uh, like we're, we're together, aren't we? Like, aren't we? Like, it's like, you know. So I think he, he does like transform over in his mind to, to be part of Mickey Mallory and Wayne Gale. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was Bonnie and Clyde, not Bonnie and Clyde and Wayne. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's time to get and rid wine. of Wayne. Time to get time to get rid of wine. <laughs> wine guile. <laughs> you sort of have to like speak out of the side of your mouth. <laughs> wine guile. Wine guile. Uh, Crikey! What what did we think of uh, Private Cowboy coming in to save their asses? Nope. Nope. Uh, nope. Nope. Ar- Arliss Howard from. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about it? I I think that there is like more to it, but I think there was supposed to be more to it, but there ultimately wasn't. Yeah, like I was, that, I was just, that that ends up being kind of a weird character beat because all of a sudden this guy shows up and it's almost like you should assume that you know who he is or there was some previous relationship because he's there to help him and you know he acts like he knows who they are. I mean he knows who they are because they're infamous, but I don't know. It was it was strange I, I, and then that guy just kind of what happens to that guy he just kind of disappears doesn't he does he get shot yeah, he, I forget. so he helps him get away but i don't think anything I don't, i'm not sure what actually happened to him but what i read was that i think he's supposed to be sort of like a what do you call it you call it an angel guardian, guardian angel guardian angel yeah a guardian angel but then there was also apparently an alternate ending where he kills them mm. so but mm. i think what ultimately he shows up he does help them but and then nothing happens with him. So it's like, why why keep it in? Or maybe do it a little differently. I don't know. It just seemed odd. I, I do but also I do, like I that, do love Arliss Howard, so. I do like that Wayne Gale also, when his, the look that he ends up at by, by the end of the prison <laughs> he's scene. He's got his, like, tie around his head. Or he's got his <laughs> tie around his head. And all of a sudden, he reminds me a little bit of his character in Weird Science, for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. I think that they, he was all dressed in, like, weird 80s garb. And, you right, know, so. right. That's funny. I had, a, I had a brief weird science flashback there. Let me let me ask you a question, because I think we've agreed that we just can't see this whole thing happening with his his character turn at yeah, the end, right. right? If it were actually Geraldo Rivera, believable? Well, that's who he's supposed to be, right? Isn't it that? Because like, I think if it was her, the actual Geraldo Rivera, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm saying. Like he can. Like, Wait, so you, so, you, so you think Geraldo Rivera is just a couple degrees away from snapping at any moment? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> I don't know about yeah, the current, but like I don't watch. I don't watch Geraldo Rivera, so oh, I, I have no frame of reference he, on. Oh, especially, on him especially today. current one. He's like, is he's he like still on? Right wing. He's like way right wing now. Is he? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. I think he's a, he's a Fox News guy now, right? Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. I didn't know he's still around. But. Still dealing with the the failure of Al Capone's vault. 
I think the other thing that so at the end there's a moment where they're and, and, and I'm pretty sure they're they're broadcasting it maybe live but they show Mickey and Mallory kiss and then it cuts back to the anchor woman in the studio and she's like oh like that's almost like you know she has an like a positive emotional association to them when they're kissing like it cuts back to her and she's smiling a little bit I'm like come on give me Wait, a fucking is that after they that was after, after the they prison. killed Wayne or no that's a, no that's after they get when they first when he first gets to the cell when he gets to Mallory's cell. Oh. After after Scagnetti is uh, killed. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. I was thinking, because she's like all horrified when, at the very, very end. At the very end, yeah. yeah. When Wayne Gill's murdered. Yeah. yeah. yeah and Gale. like they wouldn't cut away from the, from like a prison break. They wouldn't, they wouldn't continue shooting it live and just be like, okay, we'll just let this roll. See whatever happens. Right. Yeah. They, they won't even show a streak. Good. They won't even show a streaker at the Super Bowl. They didn't show this. I know. Like, <laughs> Good, good, goodbye station license. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, all right. About the music. Right, well, would you, uh, yeah, music. You didn't like it or you just thought it was I, too much or. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't particularly like the music and it's not, I, so I only have a couple of issues with the music. First of all, I'm just not a Leonard Cohen fan and, yeah. and he's, his songs bookend the, the movie. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. It's actually very in keeping with the movie because I didn't like the movie. So obviously I wouldn't <laughs> like the songs, but that's really, that's really about it. I did think it was kind of interesting though, that, that, that the soundtrack was produced by Trent Reznor. I did not know that yeah. before today or yesterday. He wrote like three um, or four new songs for the movie too. Yeah. But he also apparently watched the film over 50 times to get into the mood. And now Trent Reznor completely makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> but I do. I, I like Trent Reznor. I, I think he's pretty cool. And I like a lot of his music. But no, I like it. Yeah, I th- he's actually he's, he's a good composer. Yeah. Oh, definitely. To, the music to me is fine. It's a, just a bit of a it it it's a very '90s time capsule, is what it feels like. I think it has yeah. a nice mix because it also has a lot of good rap in there and some good like throwback to Bob Dylan, the Leonard Cohen. I think it has these. I do have a very strong association between this movie and that was that song, that Sweet Jane song. Well, that's the thing. Like this movie is ruined. Ruined that song for me. Thanks a lot. Yeah, oh. that, that's that's an autom- that's, that's one of those. This actually gets pretty close to an automatic association of like you know that or you know stuck in the middle with you or it's like some of these yeah. songs where you can you know girl you'll be a woman now soon. Or, Soon, sorry. Soon, whatever it is. Sorry. <laughs> Spotify doesn't have the full uh, soundtrack because the soundtrack mixes in a ton of the quotes from the music, movie and stuff. I'll have to see if I have a these CDs still somewhere. Am I the only person in the world who doesn't like Leonard Cohen? No, he's, he's kind of like, uh, you don't like Tom Waits either when they got a similar no. vibe going. Do you like Bob Dylan? Some, yeah. Because okay. the, the three of them no. are all kind of similar with the kind of... Bad the, voice but the singer. voices are not no. I mean, not well, Dylan voices. as he got older, as yeah, he yeah. got older, then yeah. But but Leonard Cohen uh, sometimes just sounds like he's on death's door when he's singing. That's yeah. that's awesome. Uh, you know, I, it's not. I, I don't like or dislike. I don't, it's not a. I've, I don't put on the Leonard Cohen channel on Spotify. But when I hear one of his songs, it's fine. I don't hate Leonard Cohen. I just don't particularly like him. No, that's right. Yeah, he's he's more. I mean, it's not like a. Hallelujah is like done to death. Yeah, but that's it. Jeff Buckley's the one who took that song. But, yeah, but his version is like sort of done to death. You hear it like everywhere. Yeah. Well, no, Leonard Cohen that's wrote a, that's, the song. That's the one that's in Watchmen, I think, right? Leonard Cohen wrote the song, but uh, there's actually a, a documentary I want to see about like a, a broken Hallelujah. I haven't seen oh. it. But Jeff Buckley's uh, version kind of brought, oh, that? brought 
brought the, maybe the I, song to life. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's the one that's done to death. Yeah. Well, thanks for writing that song, Leonard. Yeah. All right. Well, I, I for one, feel that I have reached the end of everything that I wish to say about Natural Born Killers. <laughs> so I would hate to stop talking about this movie, but... Was there anything else you guys want to throw out there? No, I think we covered most of it. I would it's I would not recommend it to everyone. It's definitely an acquired taste. It's very interesting filmmaking. It's very a lot of stuff going on. I think the messaging doesn't hit, but I think it's it's well worth watching just to see it as a, a visual and and audio interest. I wouldn't say it's a masterpiece, but it's definitely uh, worth watching. Colin, your thoughts? Not worth watching. <laughs> I, I think I think everyone knows what my thoughts are. I would only recommend this to someone who who wanted to watch it from a historical perspective, because I do think it's interesting in that context. But then they should go and like watch a, a good movie after just to cleanse their palate. <laughs> <laughs> a little sorbet. Yeah. So I'd, I'd sum it up by saying I think it's an interesting piece of art. Is kind of how I would think about it. So I, I can almost appreciate it from that respect, just in terms of trying to do 3000 cuts and all the different, you know, different, you know, film stocks or different formats to use to try to put it together to see if it can be something that is, uh, comprehensible. Uh, for me, I, it, as a movie, I, it's terrible. It's, <laughs> it, it maintains, it's on the list of the short list of movies that I just almost instantly hate from frame one. And so that's, that's this movie for me. Every bit of messaging in this movie feels to me, it just completely misses the mark or it's just yelling like something bad. <laughs> but it's like, when, what is it? How does it tie together? I just, I don't think it holds together at all. And, but I think there are some good performances. I think, I think all of the leads in this movie, I think they, for the tasks that they're given, I think they execute it very well. I think Woody Harrelson has mad charisma. I think Robert Downey Jr. is tons of fun. I think Tommy Lee Jones is off his, yeah, out of his mind in this movie, and I do think he's, I do think he's he's fucking playing this Two Face character just just two years earlier before Schumacher pulled him into Batman Forever. So overall, Marcus said he wouldn't recommend this movie to uh, everyone. I would not recommend this movie to anyone. That's how I, that's what, how I'd close it out. What's your letter grade? Uh, I mean, honestly, I'd give this movie like a C minus. <laughs> wow. Okay. Because I was gonna. I honestly was going to give it an F and I decided I'd give it like a D D minus because of the good acting. Yeah. And I give it a C minus because of the acting and because of the interest or the interesting, it's, it's an interesting attempt. Right. And so for, just in terms of kind of throwing all the stuff in a blender and seeing what comes out, I do think it's interesting. So I will give it credit for that. And it's not for what it is. I don't think it's a, I think it's a well-made movie. It's not as if you look at it and say, for within the realm of the universe he was creating, they fucked it up when they were trying to do it. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that, I think he probably kind of sticks the landing on what he was going for with his vision. I just think that his vision is hot garbage. Marcus, I mean, what's your letter grade? A, solid A, ninety five percent. Good lord. Question, Marcus. What prior to this this occasion? What was the last time you watched it? I actually didn't watch it this time. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. You fucker. I knew uh, that I, was the case. I watched it about a year ago, though. So about a year ago. <laughs> That's why you didn't want to go into the scenes. <laughs> the, no, it's fine. I, I, I brought all the knowledge. I've got it. I've seen the movie so many times. So speaking of a <clears throat> mental palate cleansing, we are... It's Colin, you get to make the next pick for our real DMC movie. So 
What are we going to be watching after Natural Born Killers, Colin? All right. We will be watching 2012's remake or re-envisioning. I don't know. Whatever it was, I thought it was really quite good and very surprising. <laughs> it is Pete Travis's Dread. Oh, huh? awesome. I remember it as being really good and quite surprising. So cool. I wanted to watch it again. And, and it uh, happens to be on, I think, Hulu or Amazon Prime for free. And so let's do it. Let's do Dread. You know, as much as I hate to just have natural born killers leave my life for maybe the rest of my life. I think we've reached the end today. So any final thoughts, guys? Or can we wrap it up? Let's wrap. Well, I hope you enjoyed our very polarized conversation around natural born killers. Colin and I, we're on record as not really caring for it that much. Marcus is a big fan. So maybe some of you can write in and help us understand Marcus better because <laughs> we've been friends for over 35 years and we still can't understand his take on this movie, but whatever. And, and, and just so you know, I'm on the record as, as shitting all over this movie. <laughs> in case we missed it. <laughs> Colin, is a, Colin is a no. All right. In case you skip just to the end, you can, you can make sure. <laughs> all right. We'll be back with... Collins pick dread and otherwise this is the real dmc podcast signing off goodbye everybody bye, goodbye. Everybody. goodbye. goodbye. good one all right no 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 closing mickey line from you marcus shit man i'm a natural born killer yeah the outro is gonna be it's gonna be 10 minutes of that Cro- crikey just wine gale <laughs> Wayne Gale. Wayne Gale. The the actually I like his intro quite a bit. Wayne Gale. Wayne Gale. <laughs> I'm Wayne Gale. <laughs> Wayne Gale. We should just do that. <laughs> Crikey's.